Welcome to Marketing Tips for Translators, a podcast with marketing and business tips and strategy specifically for freelance translators and interpreters. I'm your host, Tess Witte, a longtime freelance translator with an education and professional background in marketing. Tune in to hear tips from my own experience or from other translators and industry experts. This episode is brought to you by CrossCheck, one of the first mandatory QA processes in the translation industry since 2005. Now you can prove how good of a translator you are and document it to your clients with a personalized seal. So CrossCheck points out all those embarrassing mistakes even professionals sometimes make like double words, mistyped or forgotten numbers, omitted glossary terms, you get it. If you translate with Trados, use the CrossCheck Trados Studio plugin, available for free in the Trados App Store, to your QA translation work in real time. For those of you not translating using Trados, when you are done with the project, you can upload the bilingual files at runcrosscheck.com and check for errors in an instant. To prove a project went through a rigid Q&A process, CrossCheck generates the CrossCheck seal, which is a link unique for each project and you can deliver it to your clients where they can confirm your effort. Go to runcrosscheck.com for more information. That's R-U-N C-R-O-S-S-C-H-E-C-K dot com. Simply register your email and try it out for free today. Hello and welcome to Marketing Tips for Translators. This is episode 273 and we are going to talk about SEO translations. If a company operates in any other country where a different language is spoken, it's important to consider localization of their SEO or search engine optimization. This helps them um, market to their customers and potential customers. Uh, they can find their company website easier, their products and services. Um, and uh, localizing the SEO is actually called international SEO too. And it's becoming more and more in demand uh, to provide international SEO or the translation of SEO. And my colleague, Maria Scheibengraf, has just published a book for translators on how to add this service to their skills and become an expert in SEO translation. Maria has previously been on the podcast to talk about inbound marketing, and I'm happy to welcome her back to the show. Welcome, Maria. Hi, Tess. Thank you very much for having me again. It's a pleasure. How are you today? I'm very well, thank you. Um, I'm saying I'm, I'm joining in from um, very sunny London, which is unusual, but all's yes. well. Yes, I heard. I'm jealous. We still have snow here, but I think that by the time this one is airing, maybe not. I hope not. Maybe not, yeah. <laughs> so um, tell us a little bit about yourself and your career in translation. Actually, you've been on the show before, so 
Uh, what has happened um, during the last year? Right, it's been a year. Yeah, it's been quite a long time. Uh, well, a lot has happened, a pandemic to start with. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, so that's been quite challenging, both personally and professionally. Uh, for those of you or the, or the listeners who don't know me, I'm, I'm an English to Spanish translator and I specialize in marketing and IT. I'm the operations manager of Crisol Translation Services as well, which is a, a boutique team of um, four freelancers. The sweet spot between a freelancer and an agency, um, and it's been um, yeah, it's been quite tough to keep uh, everything under control uh, as a new mum because I I became a new mum last year and the pandemic happened and well it's been it's been uh, challenging to say the least but I feel I've come through um, the other side quite, quite was your well. baby boy born before the pandemic hit or during he was born two weeks before the first lockdown so i was mm -hmm. quite lucky because had he been a bit late um i would have probably had to give birth on my own and with lots of uncertainties and fears and so we were quite lucky in in that regard um but yeah it's it was uh it was quite a thing to mm -hmm. mother him and work and uh not know what was happening uh yeah. with this coronavirus thingy yeah. yeah, that's that's kind of um, a lot better now in in all aspects. Yes. Well, you are also providing services for other translators, or you have a course on online marketing or digital yeah. marketing. Yeah. So uh, we put together a course for those translators who are just starting out in the industry mm -hmm. and who'd like to specialize in marketing. And this um, this course is the first step um, towards a marketing specialization. Mm -hmm. And now you've published uh, a new book, the SEO Translation Bible. Tell us a yeah. little bit about the book and why did you write it? Right. So um, after uh, feedback from the uh, marketing translation course mm -hmm. um, that we launched, a lot, of, uh, a lot of the students asked for a um, sequel to it, a more in-depth version of it. So I started uh, trying to put together uh, something a lot more advanced and I realized that SEO translation was the area where there was very little um, published or written or even very little training around it. Mm -hmm. So it was originally going to be a second online course. But then I remembered how much work it was to record all the chapters and upload them to the platform and manage the course. And I thought it would be a lot better if I could just publish my notes um, as a PDF. And then I thought, I'll just, I'll just publish an ebook. It makes a lot more sense. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and there were no ebooks on on the topic while there are a couple of online courses on SEO translation anyway from other providers. Mm -hmm. So that's how the SEO translation Bible came out to be. Cool. Very cool. Now, I have yet to read it. I have downloaded it, but I have yet to read it. But before this Bible, I took SEO courses and ISEO through SEMrush and, and my client has actually educated me in it. So mm -hmm. I look forward to learning even more. Um, because okay. I work more and more with international SEO translation. 
Yeah. So. Yeah, it's a, it's a field that is growing really, really fast because businesses, global businesses are starting to realize that um, they can localize their content, they can translate it and everything, but if that content isn't discoverable, then there's no much point to it. So that in the same way that they are investing in SEO and all sorts of um, advertisement for the source language, they need to do the same in every language that they um, translate their content into. So mm -hmm. it's grow SEO translation is growing really, really fast and we need to keep up. Mm -hmm. So you kind of touched on this already then, but who <clears throat> we, well, anybody who wanna launch in another market needs SEO translations and localizations, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. So, uh, and the demand is growing. So there is a, a demand for translators to specialize in this, correct? Yeah, yeah, totally. So, um, sorry, go on. No, I, you can continue. What did you want to say? I was just going to establish a difference between multilingual SEO and SEO translation, which are yes, sometimes please taken. Do. Yeah, they're sometimes, sometimes taken as... Um, synonyms or mm -hmm. interchangeable concepts and they are not um seo translation is just it, uh, uh, it's a little a little bit one step in the whole multilingual seo strategy because there's mm -hmm. a lot to seo regardless of the language that uh, linguists do not concern themselves with which is uh, a lot of the back end stuff how to structure the website uh, and the domain, where to host it. Lots of aspects that our clients, developers and um, IT department usually will deal with. And we come in from the um, linguistic and cultural consultancy side of things to inform that multilingual SEO strategy through SEO translation. Mm -hmm. But you would say it still starts with research, keyword research. It starts way before keyword research. It starts with market research and mm -hmm. the way that the target culture uh, plays a role in in how users uh, search for stuff online. Yes, the, uh, the our culture and our language and the the our environment and our values, everything plays the role into how we ask Google for things and what our intent is when we search for something and what we're trying to find. So mm -hmm. that's the first bit because we cannot, I mean, a lot of the time our clients um, don't really know what they're dealing with unless, uh, unless they have a dedicated market research team per target locale. But if they don't, they rely on us linguists to um, provide consultancy for them in terms mm -hmm. of right this this approach is not going to work this is not how um, users search for this there is no need for this um, feature in the target uh, market because of this or that reason so it starts way before keyword research but then after market research we do move on to keyword research yeah mm -hmm. Now, I don't remember if I read this, but do you cover negative keywords in your book? Yeah, yes. yeah, okay. I do, I do. Because every every marketer, a good marketer, not only knows 
what to target, but yeah. also what not to target. Yes. So I do cover, and not just uh, negative keywords, but also reverse SEO mm-hmm. as well, which is another way um, to deal with uh, your users not finding what you don't want them to find mm-hmm. or your, your clients. Well, there's a lot to learn. So what, where should we start? If a translator wants to become an SEO translation expert, how, what, how would we do, go about it? Right. So what, what I argue in the book is that um, for your clients or your potential clients to deem you an expert in the field, you should be very well versed in all things SEO, not just what you will be doing hands-on because you need to have conversations with them or with their SEO or IT department mm-hmm. uh, on an equal level. You, you need to show that you know what you're talking about even beyond the tasks that concern you directly. So I start by arguing that it's important to be acquainted at least with um other aspects of SEO that go beyond that go beyond the linguistic bit. Mm-hmm. Um, so once that's covered, because the first part of the book, part one, is basically all the techie stuff. I, I, I go through through the more um, conceptually dense um, bits. I've I've made a big effort to to convey them in a clear and smooth and enjoyable way with lots of examples. But the first part of the book is all about that. Um, And then in parts two and three, we get uh, a lot more um, practical and a lot more into translation, localization and transcreation per se within the realm of SEO. Okay. So that segues us into the five pillars, the five SEO pillars, um, exactly. or SEO translation pillars. What are the pillars, the five? Right. So I've um, I've divided part two into into five key aspects of SEO translation, which I call pillars, like you just said. Um, mm-hmm. The first one is the impact of culture on global marketing, which is mm-hmm. what I briefly mentioned a moment ago. Things from um, I, I give an example of um, pests, agricultural pests in different countries and how they are not the same uh, in certain parts of Europe as in Australia, for example, and how a, a, a company, a brand selling, um, selling pest products or pest control products will need to approach their SEO differently and their SEO translation differently according mm-hmm. to what users actually need and actually search for, which is very closely related to their culture. So the impact on, of culture on global marketing and on search behavior. I talk about why Japanese people or Japanese tourists uh, like to travel in groups uh, and stay for fewer nights at their destinations, uh, mm-hmm. unlike um, tourists from Western cultures and how a travel company needs to approach those two um, target groups differently. So all of that is covered in the first pillar, which is the impact of culture. Mm-hmm. Then I move on to the second pillar, which is user experience, um, where, I, where I argue that user experience is half of SEO done. You get user experience uh, right, and your SEO is basically 
ready. <laughs> Maybe okay. that's a, an overstatement, but it's it, it's a long way um, to get there. And I also cover um, how Google itself has realized that user experience is what determines the quality of a website and the quality of the content on a website. So can you give us an example of your user experience? Is it that the user is finding what he or she is looking for? It could be all sorts of things. Um, quick example, if I am a native Spanish speaker, which I am, um, and I don't speak any English, mm -hmm. and I am interacting with a company's content in Spanish because they've localized it, they've translated it, I, I'm just I'm browsing their website, I'm finding their content really useful, and then a link comes up. And I click on that link and it takes me to another website that's written in English mm -hmm. and I don't understand anything. Mm -hmm. That impacts my experience as a user mm -hmm. and that will probably make me leave that company's website and look for content elsewhere. Mm -hmm. So a lot user experience, it really is, it, it, it's everywhere and it's in every bit of a website from the headline to the images to the empty space and the white space in the design of the user interface to um, to the cause to action to the user journey it's a big 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 concept um, but there's a lot that we can do as we translate as we localize to um, to help users have an enjoyable experience and come back Google mm -hmm. uh, are actually releasing an update to their algorithm in May this year, which is called the Core Web Vitals update. And what that is, is basically they're going to start scoring websites and ranking them um, according to the level of user experience that they provide in every language. Okay. So that, that shows that they're placing a lot of importance on user experience. And that's the second pillar I touch on in this part of the book. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. Yes, yes. Let's move on to the third pillar. Right. The third pillar is um, how services that we already provide and are familiar with or may provide, like localization, transcreation, even copywriting, mm -hmm. how they come into play for SEO translation. Where do they fit in? Mm -hmm. So, um, I present a, 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 a what it would be like an illustration or, or a graph of what the SEO translation process looks like from the very beginning, which is our client's copywriting or marketing team crafting the source copy up until the localized website or digital asset going live in the target language. Mm -hmm. And I explain, uh, going through developers and designers, uh, and I explain what translation techniques um, are applied in every step of the way okay. and why, with clear examples as well. So that's okay. the third pillar. Okay. The fourth one mm -hmm. is local competitor analysis, um, which is something that some translators might not want to provide as an add-on to their service 
but which many of us do, um, and which allows us to charge a bit extra to our clients, because we we say we instead of asking asking them to come to us with um, the market research all done for the target language and their keywords all ready to be localized and all of that, we say, ah, we've got this. Just tell us what you do, what your objectives are. And we take, in, we take it from here. We analyze what your competitors are locally, uh, what they're doing, what they're not doing, what gaps you could be filling, how your product compares, um, how you should approach this. We do all the keyword research uh, for you. We, we come up with um, new keywords that you had maybe that you maybe hadn't thought about. Mm-hmm. So I cover that in the fourth pillar, how to carry out local competitor analysis. And I provide a template of a report we recently submitted to one of our clients um, so that readers can use it as inspiration if they decide to provide us that service. So as well we, really, we really need to have a marketing experience too. Like absolutely, research. absolutely. An SEO translator is a blend between... Um, a designer, a programmer, a marketer, a copywriter, and a translator. You, you, you wear many hats and you need to do so skillfully, which is why SEO translation is a lot more complicated than it sounds, but also why it entitles us to charge premium rates for mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. Okay, before I come with the follow-up question, let's move on to the last pillar. Yeah, the last pillar is... Um, uh, about testing, which is a bit techy as well, uh, and it's quite brief in that section, but it is important because in SEO in general, in all languages, um, nobody knows exactly how the algorithm works. It's, it's a very well-kept secret how Google, the Google algorithm works. We can speculate. They release a few um, a few communications uh, on on what they are um, prioritizing that year and stuff like that. But at the end of the day, is, is uh, an SEO strategy is based on speculation and testing. Mm-hmm. And um, it's trial and error, is statistics, it's measuring, it's tweaking up um, a CTA button, it's tweaking up a headline, the meta description or the meta title on the results page. Um, and the same applies to every language. So SEO translation um, also involves testing. A lot of the time our clients do the testing themselves and um, they come back to us with the results and they say, look, this um, particular um, page is not performing as well as a source language page. We think it could be because of how the meta description is worded. Uh, we'd like to tweak it this way or that way. Some other times they come to you with the uh, results and they say, we don't know why this is happening. Can you mm-hmm. suggest a few, um, a few tweaks or why do you think this, this might be happening? Mm-hmm. So I describe um, the, yeah, the, the rationale be, be, uh, behind testing, the types of testing and why it's important to work in partnership with our clients to get it right from the get-go. Mm-hmm. So before I go into how the SEO translation workflow looks like, we, we covered the five pillars. Do you want to yeah. briefly repeat them? 
Yeah, of course. So the first one is the impact of culture on SEO translation, mm-hmm. including search behavior. Uh, the second one is user experience. The third pillar is copywriting, localization, and transcreation. Mm-hmm. The fourth pillar is local competitor analysis. And the fifth pillar is uh, testing. Yes. So I have a question, and I don't know whether you would like to talk about the workflow first or my question then. If a client comes to me with sort of, uh, say, pay-per-click ads, mm-hmm and then to lead to their website and their products that they're selling and they already say this these are the keywords can you localize them or can you translate them basically how would i go about educating the client then that it's not just it doesn't it's not that easy or that i have to do a lot more than just doing that well it's quite a um challenge to educate them however if your client is already doing SEO and PPC mm-hmm. they are usually aware that there's a big um, I think there's an important co- component in terms of research and um, that it is culturally related as well so they are coming to you precisely because they know that just translating those keywords word by word is not going to cut it That's where you step in and you educate them about the specifics of your workflow and the brief and what you need from them. Because sometimes they are aware of what you need to do, but they don't know what you need from them. So that's Mm -hmm. where um, you let them know. And that I touch on the client brief in the third part of the the book as well. Mm -hmm. Um, I also provide some estimations of, how long each step of the process will take you so that you know more or less what to charge for it. Um, But yeah, like I said, they are aware of it and they will ask, sometimes they'll ask you, can you just perform keyword research in your target Mm -hmm. language using these source keywords Mm -hmm. as uh, the starting point, which Mm -hmm. is one scenario. Yes. And another scenario is um, no source keywords. So they just give you the the source copy, the website, the, the, whatever digital asset it is that they are trying to have translated, localized for SEO. And you just read through that content and you pick the best keywords um, in your target language. So that's another scenario. They could only ask you for keyword research and then use that um, and translate the content internally themselves. Or they could ask you for the whole package and say, right, we want keyword research and we want the uh, translation or transcreation of the content with uh, these keywords injected into the content. So there are different things that they might ask from you and different ways to go about it. Um, Ideally, you want to try and sell them the whole package. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it might start slow. You might need to prove yourself at the beginning and, and show your expertise and show uh, how competent you are in terms of um, target market uh, knowledge. Um, but yeah, everything is there in the, in the third part, uh, step by step. Um, I also include some average um, rates, hourly rates uh, that are being charged for the service in Europe. 
um, so that can be taken as uh, uh, some um, guidance. Um, what else do I go about? Um, some some clients will ask you to provide more than one version of a headline of a mm -hmm. CTA button. Of I've been asked to provide fifteen. Fifteen. That's it. <laughs> And that's because of testing. They yes. will they will ask you for your preferred one and they will mm -hmm. test it out. And if it doesn't perform really well, they will start testing the other ones. So they ask you for several um, alternatives in advance to avoid having to come back to you repeatedly until they, they get to where they want to be. Mm -hmm. um, and that's also, that needs to be included in the client brief as well. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So the workflow yeah do you what what does it look like specifically right that's that's what i um what i was describing the different scenarios right but let's say let's hypothesize that you've got uh you've been asked um to take a list of source language keywords as a starting point and mm -hmm. to um the most common research. one which i think that is yeah, they say. yeah that's the most exactly that's the most common scenario um so you've got a list of um source language keywords you've got um the content the source content um as a website or maybe it's it's, it's a, just a blog or a landing page whatever it is yeah and then what you need to do after market research, which I already mentioned, you move on to keyword research. And the way to do it is, firstly, to brainstorm a few good candidates um, for each of those source language keywords. How mm -hmm. might the target audience look for this concept on Google? A lot of the time, um, I'd say, <laughs> basically all of the time, you need to be really local in your approach to that um, keyword translation. So it's not so much translation, but it is a localization of those keywords. I was uh, providing the example of pest control. Pest control. Yeah. Um, cotton leafworm is a pest that mm -hmm. um, farmers in the north of England battle against in their crops. Uh, and that will be a really good keyword for a pest control uh, company selling their products in England. But if they want to tailor that to Australia or to any other market, even if it is, with, even if it is within the same language, that keyword is not going to work. It's not going to rank. It's not going to attract the right type of visitor ready to purchase. So you need to carry out some research, research and find out, right, what's the pest that is bugging farmers in Australia yes. and you yes. will have to localize that keyword so you do the same with every single one of the keywords that you're provided with you come up with three four five ways of saying it and then you run those target language candidates through a keyword research tool uh, like SEMrush like Orbisuggest, Mangles there are several that you can use to see which ones yield um, the best search volumes However, I also explain how to pick a good mix of 
high search volume, low search volume, um, short keywords, long keywords, which ones have more competition, which ones are better for niche market, etc. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. you run those keywords through the tool, you pick the best uh, or, or the winner one for each of the English uh, or English or source language um, keywords. And then you start uh, translating or transcreating rather, because when it is marketing a lot of the time it is transcreation that you're doing mm-hmm. um you start doing that with a copy with those target keywords in mind yes uh, in the right places mm-hmm. and then you send that back to the client um and they will test uh, out the results to see that it performs as well or better than the source language uh, copy does that make mm-hmm. sense yeah yeah Okay, good. Thank you. Um, I get we will just have to buy the book to read all the the brief and the pricing suggestions and stuff yeah. like that, I think. Mm-hmm. So um, that was the workflow and the five pillars and how we can um, specialize in it in in SEO translation. So where can we find out more about this book and your other resources? On our website, if you go on chrisoltranslations.com, that's spelled C-R-I-S-O-L, chrisoltranslations.com, um, you will, uh, as soon as you get in there, you'll see a link to read more about the book and um, purchase it. I'd like to offer your listeners a discount code if you'd like oh, that's that. that's nice. <laughs> yeah. So if they enter um, discount TESS10, mm-hmm. they can get 10% off. Okay. Um, it's currently priced at 39.99 um, sterling pounds. Um, so it's quite accessible. Um, it's 20,000 words long, about 75 pages. Um, but because there's quite a lot of technical stuff there, it might take a bit longer than you may anticipate. So I'd say relax with a cup of tea during the weekend and just allow yourself to uh, reread any passages as you need it, really. Okay. So we will link to this book in the show notes and I will add the code there. Brilliant. So... Uh, okay, uh, but you are also a, transla- a translator and a translation team member. What marketing yeah. strategy, I know I asked this last year too, but what marketing strategy works really well for you right now? Because a lot has changed in a year. A lot has changed and um, we always, from the very beginning, we, we, we set out to a focus on inbound marketing, mm-hmm. which is a talk that I, I, I gave uh, last time we we yes. met on your podcast. Um, during the pandemic, we we started trying a bit of outbound in terms of paid advertisement and um, just on, on Instagram and uh, a few LinkedIn um, paid campaigns as well. Uh, unsurprisingly, <laughs> Uh, we're still doing a lot better with inbound marketing, so we've come back. Would you today. say that the ads would be outbound? Because I would think that that's still part of uh, 
inbound or content marketing? In my view, it is quite outbound because you are um, doing a deliberate effort to reach uh, people who are not coming to you by their own will, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, While inbound marketing is just letting them come to you whenever they feel like it after um, regarding you as an expert in your field because of the content that you're constantly publishing. So, um, which is why inbound marketing is great for those who are starting out because it's free. It's just about publishing content and more content and more content. Of course, you're paying with your time mm-hmm. <laughs> instead of mm-hmm. money. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's usually the, the, the resources that we do have when we are starting out. That's time. And, and uh, then they, uh, your potential clients come to you when they're ready to buy without you having to be chasing them around, really. I guess you're, you're, you're right. Ads are sort of more aggressively in your, in your face. <laughs> but... You can use ads for your inbound marketing content. Yes. Your you nurturing can. content just to make sure that more people see it online. Absolutely. Absolutely. That is a way of combining both. Mm-hmm. Um, I am still not a big fan of it, but that might be because I already have a good organic following. Yeah. Um, so our content does reach the the numbers that we want it to reach um regardless um however it is good i mean if you do it right mm-hmm. it is good uh mm-hmm. to implement some some ads um or campaigns just to make your content reach wider audiences but you need to, to be really mindful and strategic about it um segment the the the, the target groups uh, really well, be very clear on who you're trying to target so that your mm-hmm. money doesn't go to waste. And a lot of the time just um, adding or, or counting on the help of um, a marketer who's specialized in that kind of thing uh, yeah. will save you time and money. Mm-hmm. So you, um, you are still using inbound marketing the most and that's what works the Indeed. best. Yeah. Okay. Well, thank well, you so this, much. This, this ebook, this ebook is a, is a good example of content marketing. Yes, you know, it's, yes. An, it's another another asset out there. It is, yes, and I think it's working, isn't it? I think it is. <laughs> I think it mm-hmm. is. Mm-hmm. So, thank you, Maria, for coming on the show and talking about the SEO translation bible. Um, good. Thank you for having me. <laughs> It's, it's a pleasure. Good SEO translation can help translations rank higher on search engines in the target country. I'm not even sure we should call them translations anymore, though. Uh, I, do, I do make the same point in the book. You, yeah. you'll, you will win. Yes, the yeah. exact same point. <laughs> Uh, if the website ranks highly, it receives more traffic and it helps drive sales. But SEO translation is more than just translating the text, like we said, from one language to the other. And we, as SEO translators, need to understand how website ranks on rank on search engine. We also need to know a lot about keywords and how to use them for the best effect and 
SEO translators also, um, sorry. Where was I? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so as an SEO translator or localizer or trans creator or SEO, whatever we want to call it, we need to uh, understand both, both, we need to have both language skills and marketing skills and a little bit of technical skills, I would say. Totally. And writing, creative writing. Writing, yes, creative writing. Yes, I just finished a copywriting course in in Swedish or in Sweden, now that we can do them all online. So that's great. So I am in the I I remember you were saying that to Nina. In the, in the in the last episode yeah you were about to finish yeah yeah so i have studied seo and copywriting and transcreation for a while and i've started to work with more and more seo uh, international seo projects uh doing keywords research creating p- pay-per-click ads etc and i find it both very challenging and fun so if this sounds like something for you listeners uh, i encourage you to go check out maria's new book i will link to it in the show notes of course uh, which can be found at marketingtipsfortranslators.com forward slash 273 so thank you thanks again to maria and thank you to the listeners I hope you enjoyed the show. If you have any questions or comments, we would love to know. And you can put that in the show notes, in the comments under the show notes. So thanks again and have a great week. Thank you for listening to Marketing Tips for Translators. I hope you found some good tips to apply to your freelance career. If you did, a great way to show this is by leaving a review on your favorite podcast listening app, or to share the episode with other colleagues. Do you have a topic, question, or a guest you would like to hear about here? Send me an email to podcast at marketingtipsfortranslators.com.